Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. It is a rainy, dreary Wednesday, but tomorrow is Thanksgiving. The sun will be shining. We just get through the next couple hours. And look, I understand Thanksgiving 2020 is going to be unlike any Thanksgiving, at least in recent memory. But bottom line is stock market's been doing okay. There is word that there are going to be vaccines for COVID that will be distributed sometime in the next couple months. Um, Hopefully, we are going to get through this. So for the next couple hours, we're going to talk about some serious stuff, but we're also going to have a little bit of fun on the day before Thanksgiving because, candidly, I think we need some lighter stuff. But that's not where we start off the program. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at JeffWagner620. I sent out a tweet yesterday afternoon because this news broke after the, the show ended. And if you can imagine my head exploding... Some people might even like that image. If you can imagine my head exploding, this story has my head absolutely exploding. Now, last Friday, there was, at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, there was the shooting at Mayfair Mall, which is going to have long-term implications, not just for the eight people who were shot at Mayfair Mall, thankfully nobody killed, but also for, I, I think, the entire shopping experience moving forward. And as we've talked about over time, I mean, I'm old enough to remember what happened in Northridge, and the, the demise of Northridge started when... People, particularly suburban women, started to believe that Northridge was unsafe. And so they just decided not to shop there. So all these stores, particularly some high-end stores that cater to the suburban women, well, since the suburban women stopped shopping there, they uh, the stores went belly up. They weren't replaced by anything significant. And next thing you know, it's the death spiral. And now you, you have this, this shopping mall that's essentially been vacant and in complete disarray for the better part of the last couple of decades. Nobody wants to see that happen in Mayfair, but it is a very real chance because the shooting on Friday was not the first instance that you've had at Mayfair over the course of the last couple of years. It's obviously the most dramatic, but it's a problem. So anyhow, I, I think you've got to start with the idea of the people that misbehave, the people that do this stuff, how do we hold them accountable? Now, the word is that the shooter was a 15-year-old. Let me just like let, let, let that linger in the air for a minute. All this trouble... All the carnage was caused by a 15-year-old. And because of the screwed-up way our justice system operates, because the shooter is 15, at least at this point, we bend over backwards to try to stop him from being identified. We bend over backwards to try to protect him as opposed to the general public. So here's the story, as it was reported in the Journal Sentinel. And again, I followed this. I sent this out on, on Twitter, if you follow me, at Jeff Wagner 620 Commissioner orders 15-year-old Mayfair shooting suspect held in detention. The 15-year-old charged in Friday's shooting of eight people at Mayfair Mall appeared in juvenile court Tuesday, where a commissioner ordered him held in secure detention over requests that he be returned to his parents on GPS monitoring. Now let's start this. Can you imagine the lawyer representing this punk 
who's going in there. Now, this is somebody who's responsible for shooting eight people at the largest shopping mall in the Milwaukee area, who is arguing, oh, let's take the poor young man and let's send him back to his parents on GPS monitoring. In a petition for juvenile delinquency, the teen faces eight felony counts of first-degree reckless injury and one misdemeanor count of possessing a firearm while under 18. The court commissioner explained to the crowded Zoom meeting that because the teen has been adjudicated delinquent in the past and is facing new felony charges, the public could have access to his hearing. Okay, let's stop with that dazzling detail as well. The kid is 15. He is allegedly responsible for shooting up the shopping mall. And he has been adjudicated delinquent in the past. So what that means, and I guess this shouldn't be a surprise, is at the age of 15, this is not the kid's first time at the rodeo. He has been through the system. And by the way, to be adjudicated delinquent at the age of 15, you've got to work at that. And and by that I mean, you know, when, when you go into the juvenile justice system, as a general rule, the first time it's, okay, don't do it again. The second time it's, please don't do it again. This time we really mean it. The third time it's generally, okay, we're putting you on double secret probation. And only when that doesn't work do you go to the stage of being adjudicated delinquent. So we don't know what the kid has done before, other than we know that at least it's one thing, and my guess is probably multiple things, that were, again, escalating in bad behavior. But at the age of 15, he's already been adjudicated delinquent, and what we've done to try to discourage him from going to a shopping mall and shooting it up obviously hasn't worked. Um, All right, they say the DA's office is considering transferring the case to adult court, but they haven't said whether they would do so or not. Well, the the district attorney's office has to, it would seem to me, transfer this to adult court. Okay, here's the deal. The defense attorney, this is the guy that's arguing that he should just be sent home to mom and dad with a GPS bracelet, said he was found a half mile from his home two days after the shooting and therefore is not a flight risk. Well, he, he, he hadn't run before. He asked that his clients be released to his parents on GPS monitoring and house arrest. The court commissioner, thankfully, has the sense that God gave a goose and recognized that this is a good idea. Here's what the court, not a good idea, here's what the court commissioner says. Even with the sliver of evidence in the petition, the court finds this is an incredibly dangerous series of events. This was a shooting in a crowded mall a week before the start of a holiday season. Um, Apparently, what they allege, according to the petition, is the punk and his friend were in the mall when the friend confronted a group of people descending an escalator, yelling before punching one of the group. Witnesses told police that the teen, this would be the 15-year-old, already adjudicated delinquent, farther back took a shooter's stance and with a handgun drawn from his waistband began firing. Apparently coming down the escalator or going up the escalator, the kid pulls a gun out of his waistband and starts shooting. After the shooting, the teen and his friend, who was struck by the gunfire, stopped in the Enzo store before fleeing the mall. 
Yeah, let's see what the, are the new Oldsmobiles out. Surveillance video from Best Buy showed the suspect running from the mall and getting in an orange SUV. An Uber investigators learned had been called by a number associated with the teen's father. It dropped the suspect at home. When the 15-year-old was arrested Sunday, he was in a car with Illinois license plates with a packed bag and the same Glock 9mm handgun used in the mall shooting. (laughs) He was in a car with an Illinois license plate, a packed bag, and the gun that he used to shoot up Mayfair Mall. And again, the attorney's arguing, let's send him back to mom and dad. What could possibly go wrong with that? You look at these sort of situations and you recognize that we are not going to get a handle on violence in this community until we start realizing that you have people of all different ages that are perpetrating this. And to me, it's an absolute no-brainer. Not only does the kid stay in secure detention, but you know, every day that passes that he's not waived into adult court is an absolute and total outrage. Clearly, you have a guy who is a complete and total danger to this community to let him out under any sort of circumstances, anytime in the reasonable future, and I'm talking about 5, 10, 15 years, would be to put the general public at risk. Right now, he's detained by the court commissioner. His attorney's trying to get him sent home to mom and dad. Who in their right mind would think that that would be a good idea? Thanksgiving in juvenile detention, Thanksgiving in prison for about the next decade sounds to me about right in this case. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. All right. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving Day. Now, typically, we would have become, be having conversations about how how are how soon are you going out to shop? Are you remember the conversations we would have over the last several years where you had a lot of the big box retailers that would be open on Thanksgiving night and we'd have this conversation about how it's not fair to their employees that they'd have to go in and work Thanksgiving evening. And then of course traditionally day after tomorrow, Black Friday was the day historically where people would line up. It was kind of like deer hunting for shoppers. You know, it was the whole hunter-gatherer thing. And I can remember year after year after year working on Black Friday. Typically, I'd be doing the, the morning shift, the 8.30 to noon show. And, and we would take phone calls from people who, by the time the show started at 8.30 in the morning, they would have already been out. Yeah, we lined up outside of the big box retailer. We were outside of Walmart. We were outside of Best Buy at 4.30 in the morning. They opened the doors at 5 o'clock. There was this mad rush. But, yes, we got the Blu-ray disc player for, you know, $69. Yeah, we were able to get the 55-inch TV set for 300 bucks, and we were able to get home. And, and And we'd have these conversations with people who would really build their day around the the, the Black Friday shopping and the the trying to line up. Now, that's that's been changing over the last couple years, of course, because more and more people have been avoiding going to the stores to begin with. They've been ordering stuff online. Uh, Black Friday has kind of extended to almost like an, an entire month period. And I think a lot of people are thinking, you know, the deal's 
on Friday after Thanksgiving aren't necessarily going to be any better than the deal I could get two weeks before Thanksgiving or the deal I might be able to get two weeks after Thanksgiving. So Black Friday has been losing significance over the course of the last couple years. This year, you weighed in with the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic. And we're being told not to travel. We're being told not to go out. We're being told to shelter in place. And, you know, stores have, to some extent, some sort of capacity limits. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk about Black Friday. All right, a day and a half from now, are you going to be shopping like you would have shopped maybe five years ago? Or, or 10 years ago. Now, for me, it's no different because I'm not a shopper. I'm a buyer. And you could not have paid me to, to go out at, at 6 o'clock in the morning on the day after Thanksgiving. It's just, it, that, that's just not me. And it's never been me. But I understand that there's a lot of people for whom that, that Black Friday shopping is a ritual. And it's, it's lining up and it's doing all those sorts of things. Well, this is a year like un- unlike any other. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you going to be shopping on Friday? Are you going to be hitting the stores? Are you going to be going to the malls, whether it's Brookfield Square or Mayfair or Southridge, or heading out and standing outside the big box retailer, outside the Target, outside the Walmart, outside whatever, the Costco, when they open up to get those deals? Or is this a year where... Maybe we just take a pause. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How are you going to be dealing with Black Friday 2020? We discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, day after tomorrow is Black Friday. Traditionally, people would be out before the crack of dawn, lined up in parking lots, waiting to rush in to get the hottest Christmas gift. My sense is Black Friday this year is going to be a shadow, no pun intended, of what it's been in the past. How are you going to be dealing with this? 855-616-1620. Let's start with Mark in Milwaukee. Mark, you're first. Hello. Hi. Hi, Mark. How's it going? Real well, thank Hi. you. How are you going to be? What are you going to be doing for Black Friday? I am going beer shopping. We beer, are going to B-E-E-R. B-E-E-R. Right. <laughs> we are going to we're going to go out, start about six a.m. and wait for a nine o'clock opening, <laughs> and then we've got about ten or eleven other places we're stopping that day. Okay, now t- tell me you've got a designated driver for this, but before we start off here, de- designated driver? We, we do have a designated driver. <laughs> this has become a family tradition. When my son got old enough to drink, I and the wife and the son, we start out early. She's the designated driver, <laughs> and we we just make a day of it, and, well, and, and we have a blast. Uh, no, see, I, now I get that. I mean, th- thanks for the call. I mean, I, I understand that. Matter of fact, during our news, we Lakefront Brewing, 
they, they always had a, had a big deal at Lakefront the day after Thanksgiving where they have a bunch of special releases. They have this a special release beer that they come out with every year called Black Friday. Matter of fact, a dear friend of mine gave me a bottle from last year, and I actually think I might open it up tonight. I, I've been saving it all year. But, yeah, so, but this year, like, Lakefront isn't doing that. They're, they're not having the big rollout. But what they're doing is that they're, they're still going to do the rollouts of some of the specialty beers, but they're going to be selling them, and they're going to be available at a number of different liquor stores throughout the area. And to be honest with you, even though I'm not, I, again, I, I'm not going anywhere at 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm on my agenda for Friday morning, perhaps, to get in the car and, I don't know, go check out one of the liquor stores or something that might have some of these specialty beers. So I do, in fact, understand that. And it's not because you necessarily want to get the, you, 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 it's not because you need this the huge deal. It's that, hey, th- this might be fun, and it's a product that I, I like, and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get any other time of the year. Uh, here's a text. Jeff, for the last few years, I have enjoyed shopping on Thanksgiving night. I always work on the Friday after Thanksgiving, so with no one open tomorrow night, I will not get the chance to shop. Well, that's I mean, again, that is the dynamic that's going on here. This is a Black Friday, like I say, unlike in any other. And I think what the stores are recognizing is we're not going to see people packing into the malls. We're not going to see people lining up outside the stores like they would do in the in the past. Doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to get the deals. Doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to order things for pickup or get them online. Just means that you're going to have to be a little bit more creative. Here is my guess. Black Friday going to be completely different this year, but my prediction is that next year, um, certainly by this time next year, and I hope I'm right, we're going to be back to much, much closer to normal. Now, I don't know if it's going to be exactly the same as it was before the pandemic, but my guess is people are going to be going out. People are going to be socializing. We're going to be allowing people to go watch college basketball games by the thousands, and people are going to feel comfortable doing that. People are going to be back in restaurants, and yes, I think a year from now, Black Friday 2021, when we're having this conversation, people will be back in the stores. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. How can I say this nicely? It is time to move on. Joe Biden won the 2020 presidential election. And some of the these desperate attempts to turn to the courts to try to prolong the inevitable outcome, to me, it just makes people who know better or should know better look absolutely silly. Now, in Milwaukee and in Dane County, they're in the process of completing the, the recount. That will be done in the next day or to, so, and there's not going to be any sort of material change in the results. Joe Biden got somewhere around 20,600 more votes than Donald Trump got during the election. The recount will essentially keep that number there. I think when last I checked, President Trump had maybe picked up a net of 57 votes. All right, but that that's again what you're going to find within any sort of margin and error of error in an election that's run by individuals and you have 3.2 million ballots cast. So yesterday, before the recount is even finished, you have a group calling themselves the Wisconsin Voters Alliance, which has now filed a, a lawsuit asking the state Supreme Court to 
essentially invalidate the results of the election and allow Republicans in the legislature to decide how to cast Wisconsin's 10 electoral votes. Now, let me just let this is what this lawsuit is asking. It's saying we want you, Supreme Court, to say that the votes that were cast in Wisconsin don't matter, and we want to allow the Republicans to control the legislature to decide how the state's electoral votes should be cast. In other words, we're going to let people cast them for Donald Trump instead of for Joe Biden, who legitimately won the election. So so what are the grounds in this, this lawsuit? Well, the allegations are, are a lot of these things that you know we, we've heard before. Um, the group complains that for the last four years, clerks have been allowed to fill in addresses of witnesses on absentee ballots if the well, witnesses don't provide it. This is a policy that Republicans have supported for years, but now the lawsuit says we, we shouldn't do this. The lawsuit says that some voters listed themselves as indefinitely confined when they didn't technically meet the criteria to do so, but at the same time, that's never been a basis for disqualifying the votes absent any sort of indication that there's fraud. The lawsuit alleges that people like myself who went in and early voted, um, we didn't fill out a specific application. We just showed up at the polls, showed my photo ID to the gal behind the counter. She gives me a ballot. They argued that those ballots should be thrown out, tens of thousands of ballots, because I didn't fill out an absentee ballot request. It, it goes on and on and on, and it, it's just sort of one of these Hail Mary things after another, which essentially is designed to say not that we think that there was widespread fraud. And by fraud, I mean not that we think that we, there, there's 25,000 ballots that were cast by non-existent people or where you had a group of people that got together and found 25,000 people who were dead and cast ballots for them to throw the election off. This is an effort to try to upset the result of the election by trying to allege that there were what I would describe as extremely technical violations of election law, and I'm not even sure that they're violations of election law, but to argue that that should be a basis for invalidating the election and allowing, in this case, the Republican legislature to decide how Wisconsin's 10 electoral votes would be cast. These are the type of arguments that, in my opinion, I mean, I tell you, this is the stuff that goes on in a banana republic. And, and th- this idea, as somebody who for the course, over the course of the last 25 years has argued <clears throat> vociferously for stringent election standards, let's try to make sure that there's not fraud. Let's try to make sure that elections are not stolen. I have to tell you, I am embarrassed, absolutely embarrassed, when I see groups purporting to be conservative groups or Republican groups trying to make these sort of arguments and expecting that you're going to turn to the courts to overturn the legitimate will of the people. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage <coughs> Talk and Text Line. And the other example that I give of this is, you know, if, if this was a, a stolen election, 
I have to tell you something. The Democrats are really bad at it because with the exception of the, the president's race, I mean, this was not a blue wave. Republicans picking up seats all over in the House of Representatives. Republicans, you know, winning seats, Senate seats that I think people had completely written off. In the state of Wisconsin, the state Senate has two more Republican members, I believe, than it did going in. 61 uh, members of the Assembly are Republicans. If this was a widespread effort to steal the election, well, I'm telling you, it was one of the most incompetent election steals I would have ever seen. But the bottom line of uh, this is, it's time to move on. You've got to hop off the crazy train. Uh, if you want to have the recount, that, that, <clears throat> that's fine. But But this idea that we're going to try to thwart the will of the electorate and, and have the, the courts declare a winner that's contrary to the result of the people. That is anti-small-D democratic. It is wrong, and I don't care if you're a conservative or a liberal or a Republican or a Democrat or an independent. It's time to hop off that train. Let's start with Marcus on the north side. Marcus, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thank you all for taking my call. You you stole my thunder, dear, a lot. Uh, I did vote for Trump. Here's the crazy part of this, uh, Jeff, is that it, it's over that you cannot stop the will of the people. I voted for Trump, but at this point, you have a uphill battle of six states, roughly, right? And so right. in some states, they're doing two and three recounts. But the right. bottom line is this, is that you cannot put... You cannot take away the will of the people that did vote legitimately, like myself, that I did vote for Trump. Let's just say I did vote for Biden. So you're going to take away those individuals' votes and say, well, that your vote doesn't matter. We're just going to just go with that we want Trump back in office. I did vote for this gentleman. But at the bottom line, this is insanity and in that when you do this, I mean, we're taking down the democracy of the country. You tell me. Well, no, you're, Marcus, thanks. You're, you're, I mean, here's how crazy it's gotten. There are Republicans that are arguing that, again, that, that process of the early voting, where you go in, you, you show your photo ID at the table, they give you the ballot. There are people that are arguing that everybody who voted that way, and that, that's how I voted for the last several elections, um, everybody who voted that way, our ballots should not be counted because you didn't fill out an application form ahead of time. Now, I don't think it's pretty clear the law doesn't require you to do it, but that's the crazy train that's out there saying, okay, we want to just strike down tens of thousands of ballots. And some people are saying that with with a straight face. Here's a text. Uh, and again, I, I was going to try to make this a no-kook zone as we lead into Thanksgiving, but, but here's a text. Are you really trying to tell me that if there are clear violations of election law, those votes should be counted? Come on, man. I thought you were somewhat intelligent. Guess I was wrong. Okay, clear violations of election law. First of all, at this point in time, nobody's come up with any sort of evidence of clear violations of election law. That That's it. But secondly, before you're going to toss out tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of legitimately cast votes. Yes, you have to come up with what I would say was demonstrable evidence of fraud. Okay, show me that these 2,000 ballots that suddenly appeared were not legitimately cast votes. Show me that they were from dead people. Show me if they were from people who, who didn't know that they were voting and somebody else filled out the ballots for them. That's the type of thing with fraud, not searching for 
can we come up with some theory that, you know, for the last four elections, we've allowed election clerks to fill in some information on the outside of these uh, witness ballots. Um, but now, because our guy lost, we now want to take that practice that's been a common practice that clerks have used for year after year after year, and now we want to use that as a basis for throwing out tens of thousands of votes. Yeah, that's, that is it's anti-democratic. Again, it's small d, and it, it hurts all of us by, again, suggesting that elections shouldn't be a contest of who got the most votes, but rather should be a contest of, you know, can you, if you don't like the result of an outcome, can you find lawyers who can throw whatever they want up on the wall, hoping that this is going to stick? Now, this is getting a little bit of attraction because in the Wisconsin Supreme Court, you've got a 4-3 conservative split. Here, here is my prediction. That this is not a conservative liberal issue. Um, absent a lot more than's been presented over the course of the last few weeks, this lawsuit is going absolutely nowhere. I don't think conservative or liberal, I don't think you're going to find one member of the state Supreme Court that's going to guppy into this and even consider invalidating tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of ballots. Let's talk to Mary in Marshfield. Mary, you're on WTMJ. Hi, thanks for taking my call, Jeff. Yes, ma'am. Um, first of all, I voted for Trump, and I um, think that this particular lawsuit in Wisconsin is ridiculous. It's embarrassing. Um, I have complete confidence in the election process in my rural area. I have questions about the election process in metropolitan areas like Milwaukee, like Philadelphia, like places like that. I believe that this is an opportunity to do some soul searching about what are the rules and what is realistic and how do we move forward. I I do have concerns Mm -hmm. about how elections were administered in some urban areas, but Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I, I think we can't have stupid lawsuits. I'll yeah, no, Mary. Thanks to call. No, well, thanks to call. And, and see, and I don't disagree with what you're saying. I think that it, it is fair. As a matter of fact, I talked about this a little bit yesterday. I think it is fair to say let, let's take a take a look at what we do across this country, and are there things that we can do to improve the electoral process? And, and my answer to that would be yes. I mean, just to, I, I, in Wisconsin. We, we should let the clerks start to tabulate, that is, feed the ballots into the machines when they get them. The idea that you can't start doing that till Election Day uh, is just, it's crazy, because what that does is it results in these, like, late-night ballot dumps out of, like, Milwaukee, where all of a sudden you get a, a, a huge number of votes that come in at the last minute and, and maybe swing an election one way or the other. It's not that the ballots aren't legitimately cast. It's just that they're all released at the same time. We should allow clerks to do things earlier. I think we should have national standardization about when ballots have to be in. The, the idea that in a state like Wisconsin, you, you have to have your absentee ballot turned in by the time the polls close on election night. That's something that makes sense to me. But yet in North Carolina or Pennsylvania or wherever, ballots can trickle in for another three days. That to me makes no sense. I think, again, it promotes what I would say is, is a lack of confidence in the electoral Result, if you want to, in Wisconsin, look at whether or not there were these abuses
uses of the indefinitely confined thing. Because normally you have to have a photo ID unless you're indefinitely confined. That's, that's geared primarily for people who are in nursing homes and things like that. If there were loopholes in those regulations that were exploited, I, I have no problems trying to close down those loopholes. But that's a far cry from saying there were tens of thousands of fraudulent votes that, that were cast. And again, by fraudulent, I mean people who voted who weren't legally allowed to vote. And at least at this point in time, there's no any, there's no significant evidence of, of any sort of widespread voter fraud. Now, I, I see some, some lady in Cedarburg got charged the other day because her partner had requested an absentee ballot. The partner died, and the lady filled out the ballot and turned it in. She got caught. Okay, so th- there will always be evidence of fraud. I know there's rumors floating around that, well, there was a nursing home here or a nursing home there, and some operative went in and filled out the ballots for the residents. I don't know if that happened or not. If it did... It would be an example of, of, of a crime, and the matter should be referred to the district attorney's office, and if that did, in fact, happen, you prosecute that person. But that's that's five votes here. That's 10 votes here. That's 15 votes here. That That's not the tens of thousands that you would need in Wisconsin, much less the hundreds of thousands that you would need in, in Michigan. And I guess at some point in time where you just start throwing shade on the electoral process, at some point in time, it's just what you have to do is you have to take a step back and say, look, we, we, we want to make sure the elections aren't fraudulent. And we want to concentrate our resources on that. But again, when you're trying to strike down elections because you don't like the outcome, and so you're trying to look for anything you might possibly find to invalidate thousands or tens of thousands of votes, what are you going to accomplish? Jeff, downtown. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Uh, hey, Jeff. Good afternoon. Um, I'm happy to hear that you're calling out uh, the guys on the right that are trying to perpetrate this um, this falsehood. You know, I've, I've described widespread voter fraud as basically trying to steal a million dollars by taking one dollar from a million different banks. I mean, it's virtually impossible to coordinate widespread voter fraud. Those conspiracy theories right. are out there, but they're not valid. And secondly, the most laughable irony of the attorney for Trump arguing to throw out all those ballots, which includes me, by the way, too. I voted early absentee. Yeah. Is that he yep. and his own wife also voted early absentee? Yeah. So he would have disenfranchised himself, which is a laughable yeah. irony. And and as Chris Christie said, they are becoming and they are a national embarrassment by arguing this case and other cases like this across the country. Well, and Jeff, and thanks for calling. See, and here and here's the problem, and this is where the significance of this comes in. You hurt yourself moving forward. Where we, I, I want, I want to have a conversation about ensuring election integrity, and, and what can we do to make sure that people don't cast votes illegitimately, illegitimately. But when you make frivolous argument after frivolous argument because you don't like the outcome of an election, you you make. It more difficult for those of us who want to have a serious conversation about election fraud. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Now, look, I, I know that the last 20 minutes haven't been a conversation that some of you want to hear. And, and I understand that there's people out there who pander to, to that and tell people this election's stolen, we, we've got to fight t- till the end. All I'm, I'm saying is that I, I, there's been lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit, and, and they keep getting 
tossed out. There's, I, I, I'm going to tweet this out. There, there is a, there was the the big lawsuit that was going to be filed was in, in Pennsylvania because there, there was this effort here. We're going to put all our eggs in the Pennsylvania basket, and we're going to try to again have the results of the Pennsylvania election overturned. And they. When they went to the federal district court in Pennsylvania, they got a judge. His name is Matthew Braun, who, um, member of the Federalist Society, used to be a GOP official in Pennsylvania, member of the National Rifle Association. This was the judge that the Trump campaign was looking for that was going to buy into all this fraud. He issued a 37-page decision a couple days ago, and, and I read it so you don't have to. It's... It, it is scathing, where he, he essentially says <laughs> that, that what the Trump campaign is asking him to do is invalidate um, tens of thousands, maybe hundred thousands of votes. Just throw them all out. Disenfranchise hundreds of thousands of people because of the, these allegations out there that there's fraud or something. He says, okay, well, if, if you are going to expect me to do something that dramatic, to say to hundreds of thousands of people, I'm not going to have your votes count, You show me the evidence. You know, where is the beef? And th- there's nothing there. And I understand people want to grasp at these different straws, but I'm telling you, it, it's time to get off the crazy train. It's try- time to live in reality. It's time to concentrate on, hey, there's Georgia elections coming up that are important, and then moving forward, what can we we do better but if you're if you're clinging if you're the guy that doesn't want to hear paul ryan say the election's over and and doesn't want to hear the conservative federal judges say the election's over and doesn't want to hear the guy on the radio say that the election's over okay i, I get it you know you, you can cling to that but i don't think that that's helpful or constructive back with more in just a minute Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. <clears throat> Welcome back to the show. One final thought on politics before we, we move on. And this is, this is my moving forward hope for the next few weeks and the next couple months. We need to get the crazy out of politics and and unfortunately over the last couple years I I think you've seen crazy on on both sides that have dominated the message now people wonder why there there wasn't a a blue wave why why did why did Democrats underperform in this this election year across the country where everybody thought that there'd be this this huge just wave well part of the problem is is because particularly in moderate districts democrats allowed their party to be hijacked by by the crazy the defund the police movement now i understand on on the far left for example that that has there, there is this appeal. Let's get rid of the cops. Let's defund the police. Here, let's just go to socialism. Let's burn down all these buildings and stuff like that. The crazy element of that. And that hurt Democrats moving forward. And if you talk to a lot of moderate Democrats, that's what they're going to tell you. Because their party legitimately got saddled with the craziness from the left and that's not where the american people are might be where five or ten percent of the population is but that's not where the bulk of voters are 
it's it's a nutty idea in a year where we have record spikes in homicide and violent crime out of control it's a kooky idea to say hey let's draw down the size of our police force by 20 or 30 or 40 percent and and most people see that now unfortunately you've got all these elected officials on the left who decided that they want to pander to the extreme and so they, they yeah let's defund the police let's treat the cops as enemies well you saw the result of that in this election in early earlier this month <clears throat> where you had people who essentially said um, we're, we're rejecting this because that's that's just nuts and I think the Democrats starting with Joe Biden recognize that moving forward you, you've got it you got to get the crazy the crazy left out of the party now the same thing is true for people on on the right. Now, in Milwaukee, for example, over the last couple weekends, there's been a couple of these stop the steal rallies, and that, that's, that's fine. You want to have groups that show up, that's okay. And if you want to have people that preach that the election's being stolen, that's okay. But, you know, I'm, I'm looking at some of these reports. You have members of some of these, like, anti-Semitic hate groups that are showing up, and the people carrying guns and providing, quote-unquote, security for the rally. I mean, that's the craziness of the right. That's the equivalent of the let's defund the police movement. And just like that defund the police movement, the Antifa stuff, the the fringe element of Black Lives Matter, I didn't say all Black Lives Matter movement, but the fringe element of that, that hurt Democrats in the political process. Moving forward, Republicans got to be aware of the same thing. You cannot allow the political party or the movement to be co-opted by a fringe that, that, that's out there of, here, you know, we're, we're going to paint a couple hundred people and we're going to have folks show up with guns and cargo shorts because that's, that's not where the country is either. And so I, I think for both parties moving forward, whether you're a Democrat or Republican or independent, whatever, it, it's you got to start standing up and just denouncing the, the crazy extremes on, on both sides because it's not getting us to a good place. And Lord knows there's crazy extremes on both sides. The Democrats were hurt this year by the defund the police movement. I don't want to see Republicans get hurt moving forward by you know some of the people who are here. We're going to show up with the guns and we're going to start talking about marching on state capitals and stuff like that. Really? I mean, at some point in time, got to let the process work. Just my two cents. All right, I want to completely and totally switch gears. <clears throat> One of the things uh, that, that since, you know, the, over the course of the last nine months, we've all had our lives changed. We've been, I think, collectively been at home a lot more than we normally would um, things that we normally would do for like entertainment whether it's going to baseball games or going to basketball games or going to concerts or movies we, we've changed all those type of things so a lot of the stuff that we're doing I think collectively is we're, we're it's more insular you know it's more stuff with our families it's looking to try to find things that we can do on our own to, to pass the time and 
one of the things that I think a lot of us have been doing is we've been trying to find TV shows that we can watch. Now, when I was a kid growing up, it used to be that you really didn't have that many choices. You, you had the major couple networks, maybe you had a UHF channel or two, and you, you didn't have a choice as to when you were going to watch stuff. It was, hey, you know, Happy Days is on at 7 o'clock. If you want to watch Happy Days, you watch that, that show then. Laverne and Shirley, Hill Street Blues, whatever. Now, that started changing when you had, like, VHS that came out, because then you could, you could rent movies or you could record shows or things like that that is now changed of course and now you've got streaming services that are out there you've got the netflix you've got the hulu you've got the amazon prime you've got all this stuff that and all these different networks have their own content that are out there and they've been around for years and i have to tell you that there's a lot of stuff out there that i just I, I've never heard of before. And so one of the things that I'm, I'm doing constantly is I'm trying to find something that I, I can binge watch that's going to hold my attention. And uh, a lot of times I, when we will go out to dinner with friends, that is inevitably one of the conversations that we have. And that conversation is, have you watched anything good on TV? And somebody will say, well, yeah, on, on Apple TV, there's, there's this show. And I started streaming it. I love it. Or I found this show. Or I found that show. And those will be the conversations. And you know, in many cases, i got to acknowledge, it's stuff that I haven't heard of or haven't seen. So I'm always looking for something that's going to hold my attention. Now, a lot of times, I'll try stuff. And you know, 30 minutes into it, or an hour into it, I'll recognize it's not my cup of tea. And I appreciate that my friends might like it, but it's not really my cup of tea. I thought as we move into the holiday uh, weekend, have a little bit of fun. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Last night, I stumbled onto an incredibly binge-worthy, weird show on Netflix that I watched the first two episodes out of. It ran for three seasons a few years ago. I watched the first two episodes, and I think it's drawn me in. I will tell you about that show in just a minute, but my question is, all right, have you found that binge-worthy TV show? If somebody's looking to, I don't know, kill some time over the course of the next few days or over the course of the next couple weeks, all right, what's the show? Streaming? or on regular TV or whatever, what is that show? Like I say, I found a really odd one yesterday, but it's drawn me in. I'll tell you about that. We'll discuss in just a minute. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back with your calls in a second. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, 855-616-1620. I am always looking for binge-worthy TV shows. I think I found one last night. I'll share that with you in a minute. But but what is yours? Let's start with Sam in Fox Point. You're on WTMJ. Hi, hey, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Binge-worthy TV show. Yeah, a friend of mine told me about this movie, Bloodline. Um, it has to do with a contemporary family living in Key West, and, you know, based on the surface, everything yep. seems to be fine and dandy, but deep down family secrets, and it just, yeah, it just yeah. it just keeps going and going, and, yeah, I'm hooked. Is it, I, you know, I watched, I watched the first season, 
I, I watched the first season of it, and I, I liked it. It was kind of intense, and then I, I just, I, it's, right. it's kind of in the back of my mind. I, I haven't watched the other two. I mean, I, I love that whole area of Florida. That's, I mean, Key West is my happy place. Um, so I, I haven't gone back. I think there's at least two more seasons, but it's worth checking out, huh? I think so. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I'm not a. I'm yeah. not an expert, but I just I don't watch much TV. But yeah, I just I got, I just got hooked on it. Yeah. I love Sissy Spacek. No. I think she's a great actress, and that she's the main character. Right? Yeah, she's the matriarch of the family. No, thanks for the call. I no, I guess I, I watched the first year. A lot of times, what ends up happening with me is, I, I, I'll give you an example. Okay, a number of people are texting in with the Queen's Gambit, which is the big thing on on HB on uh, on Netflix, and it it follows. It's set in the '60s, and it's this female chess prodigy. Okay, I, I I tried to watch an episode of it yesterday. I I did, and I couldn't get past the first episode. It was just one that, for whatever reason, and I understand people love it, but this happens a lot. It it just it wasn't my cup of tea, and I understand people absolutely love it, and it's been doing great since it it premiered in October. And I keep thinking, okay, well. Maybe I need to give it a chance, and, and maybe I should watch a couple more episodes, and I'll, I'll catch on to it, and I'll love it. But the problem is that um, problem is that I, there's so much good stuff out there. It's kind of like, okay, well, if, if I spend another few hours, and then I'm, I'm halfway through the season, and I haven't caught on, I've just kind of wasted that time. So I, I, I couldn't get into the Queen's Gambit, but I know a lot of people absolutely love that. Uh, Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, I was jonesing for a show so badly that I purchased the first two seasons of Mr. Mercedes on Amazon Prime, which is okay. about the which is the Bill Hodges uh, trilogy this, from Stephen King. And then right. I liked those so much that I actually bought the third season on Blu-ray, um, and I finished that as well. And, you know, they're not they're not absolutely outstanding, but I'm not not picky these days. Yeah, no good. Had, had you read the books? Had you read the books? Before I read you the watched first the one. Series? Right, the first one, but not the other two. Okay, yeah. Thank. I mean, thanks for calling. I appreciate calling. Yeah, actually, little Stephen King goes a long way with me. But I, I actually know the, the first book in that series, Mister Mercedes. I read it. I, I have not seen. I have not seen the um, the, the miniseries. I, I read the first book. I'm about a third of the way through the the second book, and I, I kind of put it aside, and, and it's, it's I put it aside for for a while. So I, I don't know when I'm going to come back to it because I've got all sorts of other books that are, are ahead of that. But yeah, there's the Mr. Mercedes. Okay, now I'm not going to wait, make you wait any longer for a show that I, I caught on to yesterday. And I, I so I'm, I'm sitting there, and I've got the clicker, and I'm just looking for stuff, and I'm looking for stuff that that might be. Interesting, and like I say, I, for example, Bloodline. I, I at some point in time, I'm going to go back and watch that. I know a lot of people love Ozark. I watched the first season of Ozark, and maybe the one or two episodes into the second season, and then it just kind of didn't hold my attention. Here's the one I found yesterday, and and just for some reason, it just it grabbed me. It it's called Lilyhammer, and it's it was on Netflix for three years. It ran from like 2012 to 2014, but it's still streaming now. And and here's the thing: it's with um, it's with the guy from the E Street Band and the Sopranos, Stevie Van Zant, you know, who played uh, the Tony uh, Soprano consigliere. He played Silvio, and in the it's it's this bizarre sort of thing. He plays a a mobster from New York, and the plot is 
uh, that he decides to turn state's evidence on all his mob buddies, and he goes into witness protection, and he asks to be sent to Lillehammer, Norway, because he remembers that in 1994 they had the Lillehammer Olympics there. So they relocate him to Lillehammer, Norway, you know, snow and all that type of stuff, and it's one of these kind of fish-out-of-water things. It's I, I watched the first two episodes, and it just... It it drew me in. Now again, I, I don't I don't know where it goes and sometimes these things start out with really creative ideas and then it kind of peters out. So there it ran for three seasons. They canceled it after three seasons, but this was like the number one rated show in Norway when they first debuted it. I, I tonight I'm going to sit down and I'm going to probably watch. I try to limit myself to no more than two shows. But if you're looking for, again, one Steve Van Zant, Norway it's called Lilyhammer, and it's just I, I, again, I've only seen the first couple, but it's kind of sucked me in, and it's held my attention. It's my current binge. Let's talk to Bob in Fond du Lac. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Hi. I was just going to talk about uh, The Walking Dead. We've watched, uh, okay. me and my wife watched about seven seasons, and then my son wanted to watch it. So we're back on season four already. And uh, SVU, Law and Order SVU, me and my wife right. watched all 20 20- one seasons or whatever it was and, <laughs> and now i can't believe i have to wait a week to watch it so yeah, see that. Thanks for calling. You know, you know, Walking Dead. I know people love The Walking Dead. I, I just, I'm not a zombie guy. So, I, and, and I understand it's, it's a, it's a bigger picture show than that. And I just, it's just, I couldn't get past the gore and stuff like that. So, I, I've only, I've seen an episode or two tops of, of Walking Dead. But I, I understand how popular that ends up being. But the bottom line is, if, if you've got some great binge-worthy TV shows, don't hesitate to share. Back with more in just a minute. It's 127. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> Okay, being swamped with texts. Uh, binge-worthy TV, Jeff, The Crown. I, I watched The Crown. It's, uh, I, I just found it to be really, really slow. I watched all ten episodes this year, but just slow. Uh, Jeff, Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, that used to be, uh, that ran for six or seven years. Interesting about the motorcycle gang. My problem with Sons of Anarchy is that they, they all everybody was so unlikable that I had trouble with that. Uh, Jeff, I, I'm with you. I love Lilyhammer. Jeff, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, wish there were more episodes. Yeah, that's the big... I, I, that's on my list. That's on Amazon Amazon Prime, I think. That's on Amazon Prime and it, it's set in the 50s and this woman who's a housewife who goes on to become a, a comedian. I haven't seen it yet. Um, Virgin River on Netflix. A uh, couple other people. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Uh, let's see, um, The Handmaid's Tale. I rewatched all of the episodes again recently, still as good as the first time. Jeff Blacklist has kept my husband's attention for seven seasons. It's so good, and it's not easy to find something that we both enjoy. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's a, a, that's one that I'm in the same situation. My, my wife and I, we try to find stuff to watch together, but she likes the Hallmark Channel stuff, and I just don't necessarily do that. Um, Jeff, uh, Fargo, um, any and every season, I find it hard to turn off. See, that's interesting. Fargo, t- on Sunday, it's the final episode of the fourth season. I thought the first season on Fargo with Billy Bob Thornton was just absolutely tremendous. I mean, it was just great. I would recommend people watching it. Second season, I thought wasn't as good, but was okay. Third season, I didn't think was very good. And this season with Chris Rock, I think is awful. But that's, that's just me. 
This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, it was a week ago, it was last Friday, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you had the, the shooting that we have talked about at Mayfair Mall, 15-year-old going down an escalator, pulls a gun out of his waistband and starts shooting indiscriminately at people, chaos, people rushing all over. The good news is that eight people were shot, but nobody was killed. As we always say, though, that any time that you you have somebody that gets shot, it is but there for the grace of God that that, that doesn't turn into a homicide. So Mayfair Mall was closed for a couple of days. Lots of conversation about what is the future moving forward. And again, as somebody who grew up in this area, I, I always go back to the Northridge references. Having seen this thriving shopping mall in the 70s and 80s and early 90s just take a, an incredible decline in a, rap, in a relatively small period of time. So I, I, have, I have a text from one of my oldest and dearest friends, and this is what the text says. I'm getting my allergy shot in the office tower that's actually part of Mayfair Mall near Nordstrom. I expected I would be able to park close to the mall, but the lot is so full that I had to park farther away than ever. So much for worry about COVID and shootings. <laughs> that, that's, that's my note from, from the field. Story in, I think, today's paper, it was chaos. And they quote a, a Mayfair shooting victim pushing for more gun-related safety at the mall. And the, 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 the operative thing that, that people are throwing around is, is metal detectors. We, we should start putting metal detectors at, at the doors. Okay, our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, and I, I feel free to disagree with me on this, but the more I think about it, I just don't think metal detectors are an answer. I, I don't think they're, they're practical, and, and, and here, is, here is why. First of all, metal detectors work when you can control people coming into and out of a facility. You know, if, for example, you've got a school, and you're going to close all the doors except the main entrance, well, then you can, you can set up metal detectors at that main entrance and you can staff it and you can you, you can essentially funnel everybody through that that main entrance so a metal detector would would work metal detectors work at at airports where you you have the security checkpoint at the wing you know it's not as you enter the airport you don't go through the metal detector you enter the you when you go into the wing the sea wing to get on the, if you're flying on southwest you go down sea wing and and there's only one way to get to the sea wing at Mitchell Field you got to go through that security so you, you have a way of controlling egress and and ingress to the to the area the problem with a shopping mall now hear me out is you you don't have just one or two or three entrances you have tens of entrances again just just think of mayfair mall and think of the size of mayfair mall and think of all the ways that you can get into mayfair mall you can you know go in through a separate door at macy's you can go in they've got the the different restaurants that are there you go into pf chang's you can go into the italian restaurants name is escaping me at the moment you you go in from the outside and then once you're 
in the restaurant, you, you have access to, to the mall. You can go in this, through some of the, the designated entrances that, that just go into the mall. You can go in, like I say, through Macy's or, or through Barnes & Noble or whatever. There are tens of different entrances that you have. And unless you are going to do one of two things, either say every single entrance we're going to put up a metal detector and we're going to staff it um, for as long as the mall is open with security people, which is, as a practical matter, that, that's, just, that, that's just too costly. It, nobody's going to be able to do that. So the other option would be we're going to close off um, 80 to 90% of the entrances to the mall, and what we're going to do then is we're going to require anybody who wants to go into the mall, we're going to funnel them through one or two or three or maybe four entrances, and yet we're going we're to have a metal detector there, and we're, we're going to set this up. Well, okay, you, you could do that, but, but that's not what the shopping experience is about. And if you end up doing that, can you imagine if you have been at Mayfair Mall, for example, if you've been there over the Christmas shopping season, can you imagine somebody, okay, well, today it's relatively mild, but it's raining. You know, you're going to have lines of, of 30 minutes to an hour, people snaking all around the outside of the building, waiting to get through metal detectors in the cold and the rain. I just don't think people will do it. I don't think it's practical. Now, I do think security is a concern, but to me, metal detectors at shopping malls, just they are flat out not practical. They're not going to work. People aren't going to put up with them. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Metal detectors at places like Mayfair, are they practical? Are they necessary? Would people put up with them? And again, I mean, just, I don't know about you, but on, on occasions where I will go to a, shop, a crowded shopping mall around Christmas time, I get enormously frustrated when I have to circle the parking lot looking to find a parking space. Imagine a situation where after you find that parking space, you're then going to get in line outside of some store and you're going to wait 30 minutes in 15 degree temperatures to try to get in and get through a metal detector. I just don't see it as being practical. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think? We discuss in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're just tuning in, a very close friend of mine out, out at Mayfair, I think probably right now, he was out there because he goes to gets an allergy shot, and he was expecting the place to be absolutely empty. He says it's absolutely packed, and um, no, apparently no concerns about COVID and, and no concerns about security. Some of the people who were caught up in the, that mess that happened the other day are saying you, you need to have metal detectors. And my only point is I, I just don't think it is practical for, for shopping malls. You can Metal detectors work at airports where you know there's only one way to get into the sea concourse metal detectors work at places like Fiserv Forum where there's one or two entrances and what you can do is you can have a series of metal detectors that are there and are staffed for people who are arriving for for the game and you can funnel everybody in through that that one main entrance shopping malls aren't like that i mean just think of the tens of separate entrances that there are at, at mayfair and as a practical matter you you just you you can't 
hire enough security guards and enough people to man all those doors. So the only real option, if you're going to have metal detectors, is to shut off 80 to 90% of the ways you get into and out of that mall and then funnel everybody to through two or three or maybe four different entrances that you staff. But if you're going to do that, you're going to have long lines. Nobody's going to put up with that. I guess I just don't see it as practical. 855-616-1620. Um, Jeff, if they put metal detectors at shopping malls, how long before they put them at grocery stores? Well, I think, you know, there there's an issue there. Jeff, move the Tosa Police Department to the mall. Well, I think if you talk to the uh, the police, the head of the police department, the police chief, he'll tell you that sometimes they feel like they've got the police department at the mall. Um, <clears throat> Jeff, what about those of us who legally conceal carry? How is that going to impact us? Well, I'm not sure if the mall... <clears throat> I think the mall is a gun-free zone regardless. Um, Let's see. Jeff, do an adult-only mall. ID badges for store employees. Jeff, I think metal detectors are worth a try, but there needs to be more to save them all because there are many less serious occurrences without guns that also turn people off. Jeff, I don't think they will add any metal detectors just because it's too slow and would cost too much to cover all the entrances. Maybe they train security with better protocols, but I think that's it. Jeff, I think they need to go back to, again, an adult-only mall. Nobody under 17 and less escorted by adults. Young people are there um, and they're where a lot of the trouble comes in. Jeff, if they put metal detectors in malls, that would truly deter people from coming to the malls and destroy their businesses. Um, 855-616-1620. Jeff, metal detectors only work if you're prepared to put a trained armed guard at that point. And that's, that, that's, the, that's correct. That's why you can't just wave a magic wand and say, we're going to put in a couple metal detectors because you, you have to have metal detectors at all the spots where people can come in and come out. And that means changing access to the mall dramatically. Let's talk to James in Milwaukee. James, you're on WTMJ. How you doing, Jeff? Hi, James. Um, I think that uh, if you okay, if you do like you said, or if you have a lot of them, who's going to who's going to pay for all those metal detectors and these people manning them? The stores are, yep. and and the stores are going to raise the prices, and and the prices are going to be high, and you're not going to want to pay that, and you're not going to want to go there. Yeah, I mean, thanks for call, James. And again, I'm not sure it's going to necessarily make people feel. In any any safer like like I say I think metal detectors have have a role and I think under the right circumstances the, you know going through a security sort of thing going through checkpoints security checkpoints it, it makes sense to me I think you can do it but let's face it that's not what American shopping malls are set up to be American shopping malls which Lord knows face a lot of their own challenges the idea is get people in and out as easily as possible. You want it to be a hassle-free occasion. And if you're going to say to somebody, gee, we're going to go out, we're going to try to get into a mall in the middle of December, and we're going to fight the crowds, but you're going to have to wait in line for 20 or 30 minutes to go through a metal detector and to take off your coat and to put that through the thing and to empty your purse and to have people look through that just so you can get in to go see if you're going to go to a bookstore or something. At some point in time, somebody's going to say, we're just not going to do that. You mean to tell me... 
Instead of driving to Mayfair or Pick-A-Mall, instead of driving to Mayfair, spending 15 minutes circling the parking lot, trying to find a place to park, getting out of the car, standing in line in the cold for 25 minutes, and then you know going through a metal detector and taking off your coat and emptying your pockets and all that sort of stuff, or I can go you know over to my home computer, I can log on to the Internet, I can go on to Amazon, and I can order whatever book or DVD I want, and I have it. I mean, at some point in time, you want to talk about killing the mall, that's it. Um, Angeline in Milwaukee, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Will metal detectors work? At some point they will, and at some point they won't, because people, like you said, they're going to have to find a parking spot, then they're going to have to get in line for all of that time, and then they wake up, you know, at a certain time to go do their shopping, but this is a big, you know, uh, holdup for them. And it didn't have to be going through the metal detector. Then their purses and all that being emptied out. That's yep. just like going to uh, visit someone in jail. And it's yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> it's going to be a disaster. And people might start fighting because they're going to feel violated of their rights because one person yeah. did something that's causing all of this. So the malls are going to lose out, and the online shopping is going to pick up. No, and I think see, I no, I, I think you're you're exactly right. I mean, I liken it. Uh, about a year or so ago, I had to go to the Milwaukee County Courthouse. If you have ever been to the Milwaukee County Courthouse, get and, and this and is not a criticism of county officials, but if you have to go to the Milwaukee County Courthouse, it is an especially if you go to the, the safety building, like where the criminal courts are, it's an absolute nightmare. Now, what you have to do is you you walk through this like underground parking garage, and then you get in this this line um, for for people. And again, you have to have the security. I'm not criticizing this, but you know you go through. You're in this long line, and again, the guards they're they're. It's like visiting somebody in prison. You know, they they want to make sure that because there's criminal cases going on, they want to make sure somebody isn't bringing guns or knives or anything. I get it. I understand why you're doing it. But it's a pain in the butt. You wouldn't do it unless you absolutely had to be there. And in this particular case, I, I, I had to be there for this particular proceeding. But so, so you put up with it, and you say, okay, it's going to take me 35 minutes to get through this, and this is not a necessarily a particularly busy time. But it's something you do because you have to do. Well, nobody has to go shopping. You don't have to go to Brookfield Square. You don't have to go to Southridge. You don't have to go to Mayfair Mall. You can order online, or you can say, well, you know, I don't know. I, am I just as happy, you know, driving up to the Costco store where I don't have to stand in the line or, or driving to the Walmart or, or whatever where I can just park my car and I can run in and I can take care of my business? That's, that's the challenge that's out there. And look, and, and I, I think from a security perspective, Mayfair in particular, but malls in general have to figure out what's going to be the new generation of security. And maybe that's a more visible presence of armed officers. In, in the place, maybe it's a, and I understand this is politically incorrect, but maybe it really is a legitimate zero-tolerance policy when it comes to unaccompanied minors. I mean, you, you look at what was going on here on Friday. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You've got a bunch of unaccompanied minors who are, you know, running through the mall 
one of them has a gun and they're getting into they're getting into trouble okay so you know what's a 15 year old doing with a gun in Mayfair Mall to begin with and so maybe you start with the policy of just no unaccompanied kids in there in the first place uh Paul in uh, Bayview you're on WTMJ good afternoon hi i hi, myself would not go in i would not go in the Mayfair if they had metal detectors because they would interfere with my pacemaker because when I did jury duty, they had to pat me down um, right. on it because of the fact that uh, the metal detectors uh, changed the settings on the pacemaker, and I need my pacemaker, which runs yeah. 100% of the time. Yeah, well, thank, no, thanks for the call, Paul. And, and you're, you are going to lose, I mean, some people like that. There's no question. Jeff, I think they need to run mall security like Las Vegas casinos do. Well, I mean, that's, you know, Las Vegas casinos are, as a general rule, I, I, I consider them to be extremely safe places because you've got, you know, visible presence of, of um, armed security, you've got plainclothes people, you've got cameras, and you've got a no-nonsense policy. I mean, you just, they don't let you get out of control because they understand that you can have bad problems if they end up doing it. Look, I, I don't have all the answers, and I'm certainly not wishing Mayfair Mall ill. I, I'm, I'm not. I think that, uh, that they've had more than their share of problems, but I think you know we have to figure out what we're going to be able to do moving forward. I don't believe metal detectors is the answer. I think on a superficial level, it, it sounds good, but I don't think it's practical. I think what there has to really be is a commitment to, you know, boots on the ground, a much greater security presence, and, again, I understand this is politically incorrect, but an aggressive posture saying we are not allowing unaccompanied minors in the place. And, and maybe that sounds like it's unfair, and maybe that's going to lead to, oh, this is discriminatory. You're picking on this group of people or that group of people. But if these malls are going to stay open, they've got to recognize where are the problems coming from. And by and large, they're coming from large groups, unaccompanied minors, out of control, not there to shop, just there to hang out and or get into trouble. That's not what the mall is there for, and you got to crack down on it. And if that means the ACLU gets upset because, gee, they threw a bunch of kids out of the mall, and it turns out that, you know, this was the percentage of kids who were persons, kids of color, and look, they're discriminating. No, you, you've got to have it across the board, no unaccompanied kids, period, or else that mall is going to go the way of Northridge. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. This is a breaking story, but I'm, I'm unclear as to what the scope of all this this is. I don't know if you have been having any problem with different internet providers or, or anything like that today. I, my, my day started off. We have uh, we have Spectrum cable at, at the house, and um, it, it's hardwired in general. Except we have two of our TVs that um, are on, on the Roku Fire Sticks, and so if you want to watch Spectrum TV, you use the Spectrum TV app. And so my lovely wife says, I, I can't get into this this morning and so i'm i'm you know because what you normally do is you just you, you go and you you know open up the app and it opens up and then you've got the the tv choices and stuff but it, it wasn't letting me in 
And it's saying, okay, you need your password, you need your username, so I have to go track that down. I find it, I put it in, and it's saying we're not recognizing this. And, of course, it's so I'm getting this, this frustrating level. And then I, I so okay, let, let's go back. Let's, let's go to Spectrum.net. And so I go to Spectrum, and the message I'm getting, at least I haven't checked it in an hour or two, but the message was, in your area, we have a service outage, and so that the, the app is not available. So if you're trying to watch TV, you're essentially um, in trouble. Uh, there's apparently a larger um, web service problem that, that's going on. A big chunk of the Internet apparently taken down. Here's the story in USA Today. Amazon Web Services, Amazon's Internet infrastructure system that's the backbone of many websites and apps, is experiencing a major outage affecting a large portion of the Internet. Kinesis has been experiencing increased error rates this morning in our U.S. East One region. <clears throat> that has impacted some other services, Amazon said in a statement. We're working towards a, a resolution, which is interesting because when I was trying to do some research for, for the show, I, I have a number of different websites that I, I look at, and one of them happens to be the Washington Post. So whenever I would try to go to Washington Post today, I would get redirected to some weird, different website that, that was not the Washington Post. And, and so ultimately I was able to work a, figure out a workaround to that. But clearly there, there's been something going on. Okay, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Of course, if you're like me, when, when all of a sudden stuff that you depend on that's supposed to work, it suddenly stops working, it, it can end up being frustrating. And I understand it's a first-world problem. Okay, so you, you can't watch the TV app for a couple hours. You know, people get over that. But I also understand that especially, you know, the day before Thanksgiving, as people are uh, trying to get stuff cleared up before they go away from work for the long holiday, or if you're trying to <clears throat> make some arrangements to get you know, some shopping done before Black Friday and things like that, you know, when you can end up having some of these Internet problems, it, it can be a very, very frustrating thing. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Have you been having Internet problems trying to visit websites or things like that You know, today? Is this nationwide issue that apparently they're working on, has it been affecting people in our listening area? 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, I don't know if the the issue with like the Spectrum uh, the TV apps uh, streaming, or you know the problems getting on to some of these like national like websites and stuff. I don't know if that's all interrelated or if they're just kind of separate things. But it does appear that there's something real at least going on this afternoon. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. We discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. And the, the, the spectrum problem, it, it wasn't with cable service. It's not with the wireless Internet. It's with if you use the, the, the streaming app. So if you watch, like, TV through the app. And maybe it's been fixed. I just tried to check out the, just on spectrum.net, and they've taken down the thing that says they're experiencing a service out, um, outage. Jeff, um, same spectrum streaming problems in Sheboygan. Jeff, I had to do some research today to figure out why my ring doorbells weren't picking up motion. They are apparently experiencing a major system outage. Yeah, this th- this this problem with Amazon Web Services, um, yeah, it, it does, it influences, it influences ring. Apparently, like I say, a number of 
different newspapers, Philadelphia Inquirer, Tampa Bay Times, Capital Gazette, they're talking about how they're having trouble publishing stories because of this. Um, Adobe Spark uh, being implicated as well. number of other different things that end up being down. And the interesting thing, again, is this it shows to me how dependent we get on these various situations. Um, Jeff, the WTMJ streaming app, app is working just fine. Well, that's the important thing, right? I mean, who cares if you can't watch the television? That doesn't matter. What you want to do is you want to uh, focus on that. Jeff, Down Detector says it's most likely a hack from North Korea or Russia. Who, who knows? But it, it does, th- this stuff do- always does underscore how dependent we, we get on various forms of, of technology that, you know, you're used to being able to open up your computer and log on to the Internet and go about your business. And if all of a sudden there, there's some glitch or there's some problem or there's some something and you can't do it, it becomes immediately a, a source of ongoing frustration until the whole thing gets fixed. It's just showing how we are getting more and more dependent. Okay, we, we've got about 45 minutes left in the program, and I want to do... A couple fun things to help us lead into Thanksgiving, because Lord knows there's a lot of there's just a lot of aggravating stuff that goes on in the world. And I understand that there's some people who just can't get enough talking about the election and being stolen or talking about COVID or do we need the mask rules or do we don't need the mask rules or why don't people comply with stuff or why do we have this overly, why does the government put in all these rules? So I I understand we we have these discussions, you know, all the time. And I think the day before Thanksgiving, maybe as we lead into the the holiday, it's, it's time for a couple sort of like lighter things. And I do think... Even though 2020 is going to be a Thanksgiving like like no other, I, I firmly believe it's it's going to be a blip on the radar screen. I, I really <clears throat> I believe that. I think that we're we're going to get through this. I don't know what the post pandemic world is going to look like, but sooner I think rather than later, you're going to have a vaccine. You're going to have a lot of people that are going to get that vaccine, and between the people who get the vaccine and the people who've gotten COVID and been recovered from it, I, I think we're going to be out in the wo- out of the woods. I don't know if it's going to be 90 days from now. don't know if it's going to be 180 days from now. But I think by this time next year, th- things will be better. But this is Thanksgiving. And I thought for at least one segment, we would, we would think back on, on Thanksgiving's past. Now, earlier on today, um, Scott Warris, who's filling in for Steve Scafidi, he did this segment where he asked for, like, disaster Thanksgivings. And I thought that 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 that's kind of interesting. I guess we we've always had the disaster Thanksgivings, and and I'm sure people have family stories like that. But you know, when I think of Thanksgiving, and it's Thanksgiving has always been one of my very very favorite holidays. Uh, I when I think of Thanksgiving, I, I I don't think of like the disaster. I don't think of, gee, remember the time when Crazy Uncle Louie got drunk and got into the, the argument? <clears throat> or remember the time when there was the fight between so-and-so and so-and-so? I, I don't think of that. Actually, when I think of Thanksgivings, I, I think of, it, it's pretty much all good memories. And, and it, it just is. It's, I, I have vivid memories of Thanksgiving as, as a kid growing up you know, at my parents' house with my brother and I. I have very, very nice memories of, as a, as a young adult, 
um, you know, getting out of law school and with my late wife and with my parents and my brother and, and family members. I have great memories of, of current Thanksgivings with my wife and uh, my my new extended family and friends. I mean, when I think back on Thanksgivings, it's just I, I have special memories. And I tell you the truth, they're almost all always really good so let's let's have a positive segment 855-616-1620 that is the acunet mortgage talk and text line what's your best thanksgiving memory is it i don't know being around the family kitchen late at night as, as a kid is it Gee, I, I remember I was coming home from college, and I, I had to go through a planes, trains, and automobiles thing. And I got at, I got home at at midnight on Wednesday night, and Mom was waiting up in the kitchen for me. Is it your, the first Thanksgiving when when you had your your son or your daughter? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's have, a, let's have a positive segment. Your best Thanksgiving memory. We discuss in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Thanksgiving has always been one of my very, very favorite holidays. And it's, it's one of these times where I just, it, it reminds me how much I miss my, my folks who've been gone for a, a while now. Um, it, it's, it's one of the times it reminds me how much I, I, I love my life right now. Typically now with, with Thanksgiving, with my extended family and my, my wife's family, you know, typically we, we would get together, we would have, you know, 20, 25 people between, you know, my my relatives and folks on my wife's side and all the kids and the grandkids. Which, and we're not going to do that, obviously, this year. It's going to be a much more subdued sort of Thanksgiving. And I'm hoping next year is a little bit better. But when I think about Thanksgivings, I, I tell you, it just it warms my heart. I, I, think, I, I think about my my mom and I think about my grandmother and I think about all the different times over the years where we've gotten together with family and friends and lots of folks who unfortunately aren't with us anymore but nothing but good warm memories 855-616-1620 Corky in Nina you're on WTMJ good afternoon good afternoon Jeff we too have just amazing memories and I have a big wonderful Irish Catholic family and it was one of those years where everyone made a special effort to come home. My sister and her husband had a beautiful home on Lake Michigan that could house all of us. And as we sat there, 66 of us waiting and enjoying the beautiful Thanksgiving weather that we happened to have that year, playing football out in the sand on Lake Michigan. But we were just a little bit uneasy because one member of our family was missing. And that family member was coming or would have been able to come from Switzerland. And he surprised his wife, who was already in Wisconsin at the time, and literally took two trains, two buses, three cars, and a superliner, <laughs> and literally went past my sister and her husband's house. And because he drove by, saw us all playing football out on the Lake Michigan sand, and he parked his car down the street and walked up the sand with a bag, I'm not kidding, of Swiss chocolates over his shoulder. <laughs> and as he pulled up and walked up, excuse me, all 67 members of my immediate, loving, wonderful family were now together. And he just 
opened this bag of all these chocolates and everybody, it was like a old-fashioned penny scramble <laughs> from Harley-Davidson motorcycle races. It was the best. And we were playing football and we had 67 people around my sister's tables uh, for that Thanksgiving. And I'll How never very forget cool. it. How very cool. Thanks to the call, Corky. How, how cool is, is that story? You know, it's kind of interesting. So tomorrow for us, very subdued. We're, 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 only, we're only having a couple people over. Um, and, but it's, it's interesting. My, my wife decided for this year, I, I've, I've told this story before. For, for some reason, when I, when I got married in the early 80s, my late wife and I, we, we, we did what couples do. We, we register. We got all this china. And I don't know that I have ever used the good china. You know, I, I've moved it around. It's it's in the it's in the basement because, well, it's you know it's just it's kind of a hassle. I'm I'm not sure how we. I won't say we've never used it. We only used it a couple times. My wife says this is the year we're breaking out the good china. And I said, well, we can't put it in the dishwasher or anything. She said, no, we're not putting it in the dishwasher. So I know what I'm going to be doing at least for a part of tomorrow evening. But we're going to be using the good china for the tradition. Mike in Illinois. Mike here on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Happy Thanksgiving. Same to you, sir. Um, so I grew up in the Chicago suburbs, and we would go visit my aunt and uncle and my cousins on the south side from the early 70s until the early 2000s. And the Thanksgiving that stands out the most for me was 1974. I grew up a huge Cowboys fan, and the Cowboys would play every Thanksgiving along with right. the Lions, and they played the Redskins that year, and they had a huge comeback a quarterback named Clint Longley. Now, I was a huge Staubach fan, but Clint Longley came in for an injured Roger Staubach and led the Cowboys back in a huge Thanksgiving victory, and I'll never forget it. How, okay, how do you grow up in, in northern Illinois and be a Cowboys fan? I don't get it. That's an interesting question. So I grew up, when I was a little kid, of course, I was a, a Bears fan. And right. um, I don't know if you remember the old Sears Roebuck catalog. Um, I'd always get football sure. stuff from that every Christmas. Well, when fall came, when I was, like, that fall of 74, my mom took me and my brother to the store to pick out a jacket. Well, he didn't have any Bears jackets. So I didn't really <laughs> know the Cowboys, but I, I liked the colors. So I picked the Cowboys okay. jacket, and from that on, I was a Cowboys fan. All right, makes sense. Thank, thanks for calling. I mean, I guess there's, I, I guess, you know, if it, if it stopped you from being a Bears fan, it's okay with me. Uh, let's see a couple texts. Jeff, four to five Thanksgivings when our kids were five to ten years old, we spent the first half of the weekend in Eagle River with my family and then headed to Wisconsin Rapids with my husband's large family celebration. So much fun on both sides of the family. We loved it. Jeff, my best memory is playing Uno with the family and making our Christmas list. Jeff, every Thanksgiving Eve, my mom and I would make stuffing. And yes, a glass of wine was enjoyed in the process. That's Nancy from Sheboygan. Um, yeah, this is, again, this is, for, for people out there who, who might not quite be as old as I am or whatever, you, um, you, you always want to appreciate your parents and stuff. Like I say, my, my mom's been um, gone for over 10 years, and people who knew my mom... Uh, just know what a special lady that she was, and, and there's not a day go by that I, I just don't miss her. And you know, holidays—that's what you—that's what you think about. Uh, Jeff, we had a shrimp boil. Cousins from Louisiana brought shrimp with them. It was absolutely the best. Jeff, my family doesn't really get along or talk much throughout the year, but during Thanksgiving, we usually set that aside and really take time to connect. Uh, Jeff, my biggest Thanksgiving memory is coming home for the first time after joining the 
service. It really firmed the vision I had in my head about family and what it means to spend time with them. Jeff, one year, Dad insisted on doing something a little different for Thanksgiving dinner without telling us. Mind you, he was never the one to prepare a dinner. He didn't mind uh, shopping, though. Well, instead of turkey, we had crown roast of pork. The thing was gigantic. It looked like a king's crown. We were all ticked off. He just laughed. This year will be the first Thanksgiving without him. We may have to start a new tradition in his honor. Yep, that's it. Whatever. I understand this is going to be a a different Thanksgiving. This is going to be the one where, you know, we, we all look back and say, hey, remember Thanksgiving of 2020 when, you know, we couldn't see each other or we had to scale down the parties or whatever. Um, we, we will get through this. But, again, I hope however you're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving this year, you're able to, you know, make some indelible memories and recognize that, okay, 2021, hopefully going to be a little bit better. When we come back, we're going to find out what John McCure has on his mind on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.